0: Okay, uh, this morning, I just uh, just in my own my own convictions, and my own conviction from from the Word and God's heart of love towards me, and of course towards all of us. We think of we think of this day as a day that's to be celebrated, and a lot of times we see, and 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 of course Christ had to go to the cross, and 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 to be hung on the cross, and many times we see we see that he's hung on the cross with his, with his head down. And what we must realize here very clearly is that death never took Christ. No man ever took his life from him. That is crystal clear in the scriptures in John 10, verses 17 and 18. No man took his life. Death did not take his life. He gave his life over. And so when we think about resurrection life it is not Jesus Christ on the cross that happened yes that was necessary that was extremely necessary and something that had to happen without any question about it but the fact of the matter is when we see the scriptures and when we read the scriptures and when even we can see in John the 20th chapter we see very very clearly there that Jesus was not in the tomb. He actually met Mary. She didn't recognize him because, unfortunately, like a lot lot of untaught, unsaved, or untaught Christians, they still think that there is a dead Christ. In other words, Christ is dead to them while they have resurrection life. He's not on the cross. And that had to happen, yes, but resurrection goes into goes into so much this morning. It goes into so very, very much. It's very, very vital this morning to understand and to be in a place as best as we can to receive these things. Because the fact of the matter is, resurrection life has to do with so much. When you can even see this, when Paul was preaching Christ, when he would preach Christ, to all those on Mars Hill in Athens, those worldly people who are into philosophy and every other kind of thing. Just like today, just like today, so many things are celebrated that have to do with humanity that don't have a thing to do with Christ and the fact that he is our resurrection life. When I think of it, when I think of it, when we, when I myself personally well, when I see him face to face, when I pass here and, and go into eternity and I see him like we all will face to face, there's not going to be one single thing that man celebrated on this earth or made a thing of other than Christ, the resurrection one, the resurrected life. We see even in Acts when Paul was teaching there, that in Acts 17 and verse 22, they were mocking, they were mocking the preaching and teaching of the resurrection life of Christ. They were mocking him. And that's a whole world system. We can see that, honestly. You, You and I will see this from Genesis, the fourth chapter on, when Cain, when Cain, who was completely unsaved? He he entered in as a worshiper, he did, but he it was never having to do the resurrection life of Christ. Meaning, a death had to take place. It had to. Boy, wouldn't it be something if we constantly celebrated the way that we should in fellowship the resurrection life of Christ in us? You know what? You know what? That's what we're going to be doing for all eternity seriously. Do you know what fellowship truly is based on? It's based upon the resurrection life of Christ in each individual. That's what it's based upon. It is. That's what fellowship is. It is the resurrection life of Christ. That's what it is. And so the whole world system we can see, this whole world system that we are in right now, that we are not of, again, Jesus never was of this world. Never. That world system began in Genesis, the fourth chapter. It all began on the rejection and mocking. Do you know a lot of worship is based upon that if it's not Christ? It's based upon mocking Christ, the resurrection. Do you know what resurrection life means? Do you know why we even have it? And I'm saying we all are learning this when I say this, by the way. We are all receiving this. I with you and you with me. That that resurrection life of Christ, first and foremost, what they mock, what people mock, and, and mock worship too, by the way. You think of today in our country, what people worship. Think of it. Self-worshippers. And all it is is mocking. Why? Because resurrection life has to do with the fact that God was propitiated by his Son. My God, if that hadn't happened, there never would have been a resurrection. We would never have that life. We we would never have that life that Christ is ours. We would never, ever have it. Not even for one single moment would we have that. We wouldn't have it. So the whole world system... This whole world system, honestly, and and it can happen ignorantly. There is is an ignorant mocking. What does that mean? To make something of man and not of Christ is unbelievable to me. The things that men celebrate in sports, for instance. Men are celebrated. (laughs) That there's some kind of a great thing that, that that is. And you know, none of that I'm not saying that God doesn't use Christians in that particular, in those places. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but I am saying none of that will enter into heaven. None of it. But what Christ did in and through them in that place where God had them, first and foremost, as a witness and as a testimony to the resurrection life of Christ, which had to do with number one, God himself being propitiated by giving his son, and that is mocked. It is mocked brutally today. Multitudes, and I don't wanna be one of them, and I could, but I don't, I, I, I wanna make right decisions, but I could be one today that would just celebrate Easter today. And then go on my merry way in the world. Do it for one day. Celebrate Christmas for one day. Honestly, when we think of it, what is Christmas really? What is Christmas really? What is it? What is Easter? What does it represent? What do we teach our children? Is it okay to teach them something other than Christ? Truly, is it? Would it be? If that is not in the Word of God, honestly, and we could do those things ignorantly, honestly, but used by the enemy mockingly, in ignorance, in total ignorance, we could do that. Because Easter has to do, truthfully, with Christ. Risen from the dead. He is our resurrection life. He is the fact. He is the very fact that God himself has been propitiated. He gave, his son gave himself to the father so that the father could be propitiated so that he could offer him to us as the substitute, as the sacrificial lamb, thereby us being reconciled. You know, the whole world system marks against that resurrection life of Christ. If you read 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, if there was no resurrection, we in 15, 18, and 19 of First Corinthians. We of all men would be most miserable. You know, most Christians unfortunately live a miserable life because they don't understand that Christ is their resurrection life. And in that resurrection life, he has dealt with every single thing that needed to be dealt with. With every single thing. And that's what he's done. He's done that in a way where that he has dealt with everything about the Father. And for the Christian, he has dealt with every single thing about us. So if we could really understand resurrection life and what that means, the even the apportion given to us is suffering, which is our portion in Philippians 1.29, 2 Timothy 2.12, Romans 8, verse 18. It, it is literally for the glory of Jesus Christ if we could see it that way and understand it that way. And realize what that is and realize it thoroughly, thoroughly. Tomorrow morning, I really want to get into these things in detail, honestly, because it's, this, is, this is loaded truth. It really is. And we only have, honestly, so many opportunities where we can actually come and actually be at a place where we can really receive it and it's very important honestly it is this morning it is extremely important for us to be able to receive these things and we need to be in a proper place for that to happen we do all of us and that's why honestly the beauty of god's order it has to do with resurrection life it has to do with that with with it and 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 as i said we really i really want to be able to get into these things Because we really need to understand these things. We really need to be able to be in a place where we can actually really and truly receive them because they're extremely important. Now, again, of all men, Paul said, if there was no resurrection, and they were mocking constantly. You know that mocking? You know when that started? That started in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. Satan's subtlety. He's very subtle in Genesis 3, 1. He's very subtle in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. He's very subtle, and he, and he does it in a way of mocking resurrection life. He can do, he can, and he will do that through ignorance. Even through our unknown ignorance, he'll, he'll do that. But then once, listen, once the light of the scriptures and what resurrection life truly is, once that comes, what do we do with the rest of those things? Are they something, are they something that we can understand? Are they things that we should teach our children? Are they? And they actually shouldn't be. They should be, those things should never be taught to our children at any age, at any particular age, honestly. Because you do not find them in the word of God. And if they're not found in the word of God as a believer, as a Christian, you know what a believer means? You know what it means to be a believer that you have the resurrection life that Christ is in you something to be celebrated on one particular day no you know the resurrection life is 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 phenomenal and it's beautiful and what I what I want to do and what I propose to do is 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 Uh, Tomorrow morning, I really want to really and truly get into this in a very deep and deep and, and amazing way because these things are incredible. Honestly, they are. And that's why we as adults really need to be in a place to receive them because it's very important because we don't know how much time we have. We do not know. We do not know how much time we have. The greatest lie that the, and the enemy, listen, he will use anything and everything for us not to be occupied with Christ who is our resurrection life. I'm going to tell you that right now is the truth. He he will do that. In every single way he will. And that's why we, we as adults, need to take the initiation to be able to be in a prepared place so that we can receive these things because they're very important. We must remember what Jesus said in John 12, 36 and 37. While you have the light, walk while you have the light, lest darkness is gonna come upon you. What that simply means is when the light of the word is revealed, the resurrection life of Christ through the word is revealed to you in a way that you can experience it. When you choose to receive it, it keeps the darkness out of you. It, it does, honestly, and your experience never can touch opposition. But this is the resurrection life of Christ. Honestly, it truly is. And understanding these things and how the enemy will do anything and everything he can can in the most, in, in the ways that we think are the most innocent and unknown ways, honestly, I'm just telling you, the enemy will do it so that we don't receive it. There's going to be a form of mocking it you know, in Galatians 6 and verse 7, it says that God will not be mocked. You, listen, honestly, do you know what the proof of that is? The resurrection life of Christ. The fact that God will not be mocked, although constant multitudes do so in false worship. If you you should see the forms of worship that mock the resurrection life that Christ is. Do you, you understand why Christianity in our country is being attacked more than any other thing in this country? And I mean it too. We're in schools. The resurrection life of Christ, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. We said to the men and, and certain things, like with prophecy happening in, in this country, we are to keep our head in the sand. We're to keep our head in the sand and think that every day is going to be the same. When this country, the way it's happening right now, is a mock and a hatred for the resurrection life of Christ manifested in Christians who are the testimony and witnesses of that. You have the whole evil atmosphere coming against it. This, I am serious about this. This is very serious. Did you know that the resurrection life is gonna prove two things? Number one, there is none for us in Christ. That's what that means. You will see in Matthew 28, 1 to 6, it was the end of the Sabbath. No more at the end of the Sabbath. That was ended when Christ came and fulfilled it. All the types. Then it, then it says, then began the, 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 the first day of the week began to dawn. You know what that's? That's dawning there is 2 Peter 1. 19. We have a more sure word of prophecy when that day dawns on us, and that is what? We have the resurrection life of Christ. We have the eternal life of Christ. That's why death could not take him on Calvary. He had to give himself over to it. You see in the garden, no man could take him. In John the 18th chapter, in the 8th verse, he just spoke his word. When they came with staves and with men with weapons to take him and he's they said who are you where's Jesus are you he and he said I am spoken and they fell back they fell back he's speaking to them he is our savior do you remember what he said he said to Mary he said don't you remember what I told you in John 11 25 and 26 I told you that I'm the resurrection and the life when she mistakenly said, yes, I know that my brother, Lazarus, he will be raised in the resurrection that, that, he, that she thought, that resurrection of the Jews as a, nation, as, as a nation to go after him, the first resurrection in Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Yes, in verses 28 to 30, to be specific in that chapter, definitely, but that's not what he was talking about. There would be no Jewish nation. There would be no millennial reign. There'd be no such thing as Christianity. Christ in you and I, aside from the resurrection life of Christ. But that involved a propitiation. It involved a propitiation. God had to be satisfied. And the fact that he is satisfied. Because if he wasn't, there never would have been a resurrection. You know what the resurrection means? That I'm no longer my sin. No longer. As much as I hate it, and as much as he has to continually teach me to hate it. We are no longer our sins in Romans seven, seventeen and twenty. It is no longer I. No, why? Because it's no longer I in Galatians two twenty, but it's Christ in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the what? The life of Jesus Christ. That's resurrection life. It's something and and you know what when we have fellowship you know we're doing, we're celebrating the fact of resurrection life in Christ that's what it means in Ephesians 5 and verse 21 to reverence Christ in one another to reverence him to not be familiar to not be with familiar in any way with each other when we function in fellowship and the resurrection life of Christ when we do it keeps out all familiarity which is this, the flesh under the, uh, under the lie of the enemy, to replace resurrection life in Christ, functioning in fellowship. He's given us resurrection life. What does that mean? We can fellowship. It's the basis of fellowship. So the resurrection, there was a time in Acts 17 and verse 30 when God would wake, when he would blink Pass by sin. You'll see this in Romans 3:25 and 26. You'll see this in Romans four and verse 25. There was a time, and it says in Micah seven and verse 18, "Who was a God like you that passes by iniquity? In other words, he passed by it. Job said in 14 and verse 17, "He sewn up all my iniquity in a bag." Yes, but it went on Christ when he came on Calvary. And he separated us from it. And he has separated us from the old. He separated us from any, any ignorance. We can come anytime we want and have the word. And he gives it so faithfully here. He does. By the grace of God, I say that. He gives it faithfully here. Because he's faithful to all of us. And we can come. We can come anytime. As much as we want, come to him. And we all gather, all of us together, gather around him, who is our resurrection life. And so, again, that, that bag that was Job's, that was sewed up in sin, that's Micah 7 and verse 18, bringing out the reality of Acts 17 and verse 30. There was a time when God would wink at sin, but now he has called all men to change their mind, to repent, to repent. Because resurrection life has been established by Christ. You will see that in Acts 17 in verse 31. Crystal clear in the scriptures. We see it there very, very clearly. There's two things the resurrection life reveal. Number one, the Father was propitiated. Mark it. God won't be mocked. You will see this. Those that thought that they would mock God, God will mock in the end. That's Psalm 2 verse 4. Will God mock them? Absolutely yes, Psalm 2 verse 4. God will mock them in Psalm 37 and verse 13. God will mock them who blew away and just did away with his son, mocked God in Proverbs 1 and verse 26. you see it very clearly in the scriptures. This is God, is he love? Absolutely. How do we define it? How do we define love? How do we do it? We do it through the scriptures. We do it through the scriptures. That is how we do it. We define God through the precise counsel of the scriptures, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as he takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us in John 16, 13, and 14. These things are extremely valuable and the reason is, is because, because it costs God giving His only Son. You, for God to have any kind of relationship between you and I as individuals, this has to do with resurrection life, the Father had to be propitiated in Genesis 22 and verse 8, in the types in Exodus 12, 1 to 13, in all those sacrificial sacrifices, In Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, all through that book, we see it crystal clear, all those types that Christ fulfilled. Yes, there's no question about that. It's just something to be celebrated, something to teach our kids a certain way. Listen, no, it is not okay, because the Bible says so. Not me. Not me against others. Not me against how others were taught or we were taught. For crying out loud. I remember being taught in, in school, elementary school, that we were came from cavemen. Is it okay? Listen, do you teach, would you teach your child as a Christian they came from a caveman? Is that scriptural? No, in Genesis 1:26 and 27, a caveman. What is a caveman depicted of just barely above a monkey, an ape? That's the image of God. That's mocking, that is mocking. I'm serious, we may think it's light, it's not light. It isn't. Easter has to do with the resurrection life of Christ. Listen, period, period, because that's not what I said, that's what God Almighty has said. That's what he has said. And we are to live by every word of God. Not by vain tradition in Mark 7 and verse 13. You make the word of God of none effect through your tradition. And what is tradition? Something that man made up in the place of Christ himself. Literally, that is mocking. It is mocking, the Bible makes it crystal clear. And God will not be mocked. Can you imagine teaching your children those things? Is that okay? Well, no, it's not. Read Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. Start in verse four and go to verse seven. You teach your children. Where should we teach? Where do parents teach their children? They teach them in the home. But my God, if they're not taught, what are they going to teach them? If they can just get by a little bit, with a little bit of resurrection life in fellowship. Then what? Listen, this is resurrection. We celebrate. Yes, but it's something, it is something to be celebrated. That e- listen, that even goes into the types in Exodus 12, 1 to 13. The Passover. The Passover. The Passover. Unfortunately, not like the unsaved Jews. No. They're still looking for it. What is that if it's not true? What is that if it's not true? Then what is all worship based upon if Christ isn't already come as our resurrection life? It's called mocking. And how many worship that way? Ignorantly, though. Ignorantly. It's a day to get together, and then that's it. Uh, Christmas is a time to get together, and then that's it. Is that proper, honestly, is that proper celebration of what Christmas truly is? Is Christmas Christ being born? Is it anything else? Doesn't the Bible say in Deuteronomy 4.2, and in Proverbs 30, and verse 6, you don't mix anything with the Word of God? I mean, does it not say that? Does it? Can you mix anything with the purity of the resurrection life that Christ is, the very Word of God? No. This is resurrection life. This is what it is. It's not just a day to get together and and celebrate. It is, but should that not be? Isn't that our life? Is Christ our life in Colossians three and verse four? Is he? uh, Colossians three, verse three, you died. You died. You know what happens when teaching comes in that teaches us what Easter and Christmas and all these things truly are? All that other learned stuff, it dies. Because life comes in. (laughs) And we teach our children that. We teach our children at a very early age, Christ. First and foremost, by how we conduct ourselves in the home, by the way. What is in the home? God forbid. Very convicting to me. What is in the home? Is Christ in the home? Does he take precedence? Is he preeminent, in Colossians 1 and verse 18, in the home, in those that are there? Or is it something that takes its place and then we operate in ignorant mocking without even knowing it? God forbid. And believe me, he does. In Galatians 6-7, it says, stop being deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. It's not okay to teach your children or to teach adults anything other than Jesus Christ because everything else in this world system, as far as God is concerned, is dead. That's 2 Corinthians chapter five and verse 14 and 15, crystal clear in the scriptures. We are constrained by the love of Christ. It keeps all these fairy tales and this utter nonsense, thinking it's okay to teach children those things. When the word of God teaches the exact opposite. What? What is all of this? Does it have to do with resurrection life? You know, here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of our resurrection life. And we will stop with this. Here's the beauty. That that Jesus, that God the Father has been propitiated. He's free to love us. He's free in the most incredible way, to love us through his Son, who is our substitute. And thus to be reconciled to him. Christians not being reconciled, making every excuse under the sun why they can't be one, why they can't forgive, why they can't be reconciled, while they use every excuse under the sun is nothing more than mocking God. Because resurrection life has to do with forgiveness and forgiveness is God. For those that are in Christ, Constantly confirming his love. Constantly. Thereby having a reconciled resurrection exchange of an intimacy of a life that each individual has in Christ. This is resurrection. This is resurrection morning. Mary, like many Christians, they will go and celebrate, but they go and they look for a dead Christ. It's a, dead, it's a celebration. Nothing on the inward changed. Nothing, no Christ experiencing on the inside. No, no, but you heard the message. Go, where have you laid him, she said. Read Matthew 26, 28, 1 to 6. Read John the 20th chapter and go all the way down to the 17th verse. You see what the Jews were even there in John the 20th chapter, in those first few verses. They were gathered together in the upper room with the doors closed for fear of the Jews. There was some kind of fear in their life. How many Christians with resurrection life of Christ in them, never being taught what it is, live in fear, live in doubt, live in worry? Is that resurrection life? Is there any worry in resurrection life? Or Christ, who is that life, dealt with it. Is there any doubt? Is there any love for the world? To live like the world? Is it okay to gather with others like they gather? Is it? Never. Never, never, never. Not that we don't go after others. Not that we don't love them. Of course we do. Of course we do. But our family are those, in Matthew 12 and verse 50, and Luke 8 and verse 21 down through, are they that hear the word of God receive it so that it does its work in them. Those are my mother, my brother, and my sisters. That's what it says in the scriptures. It's clearly what is taught there in a crystal clear way, very clearly in the scriptures. And this has to do with resurrection. What, I mean, what else is it? What else does resurrection life mean to us this morning? I'm all for it. Is it just passing? Honestly, and I'm all for certain things, but is it just once a year passing out flowers? Is it? Is it an Easter egg hunt for children? Do we have any idea where that even came from? Is that okay? I tell you, in the presence of god in the presence of my savior no it's not not in any way shape form other than that there's no other form they have a form of godliness in second timothy 3 and this is where we are right now listen they have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof do you listen to me what it says from such turn away turn away from the fairy tales as adults. Turn away from it because some, they some have a form of godliness. Do you know what that means? Cain had a form of godliness. He came as a worshipper. He approached God like there was nothing wrong. So many approach. That's why some don't. That's why some don't approach anymore. That's why Psalm in Hebrews 10 and verse 25, forsake the assembling of themselves together because they don't want to be exhorted. They don't want to be. And we'll use every excuse under the sun for it not to happen. Well, this is resurrection life. And this is what we celebrate. We celebrate, number one, resurrection life. You know what it means to us? It means no judgment for us. None. There is no judgment for us. In 1 John 4 and verse 17, we're to have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, Christ, so are we in this present evil, rotten, no good for nothing world system that we're still in. Listen, there is nothing good in this world system. I'm not saying the earth isn't beautiful. But some would even use that, the earth and worship the earth and not the creator. To eliminate the creator. Some will even do that. And mock worship. Serious. But that's what they were. That's what Cain was. He was a mock worshiper. He worshipped mockingly. Because it came from himself. Something he felt like he could give to God. How many even think that about a day like today? But thank God for us. Thank God for us, for us in Christ. There's no judgment. That's Acts 17. Remember we said in verse 30, there was a time when he winked at sin. That's Micah 7 in verse 18. He passes by. Who's a God like you that passes by iniquity? Because he was waiting to send his son to deal with all of that and deal with the sins of only those that would receive the fact that God the Father was propitiated and that thereby Christ being their substitute, thus being reconciled. This is, this is resurrection life. This is resurrection Sunday. That's why we meet. That's why we meet on a Sunday. It's the first day of the week. That, that was Pentecost in Acts the second chapter. That was the first day of the week. You know, they all got together. They were all of one mind. They were all of one mind. And it was a tremendous thing. And we have that. So it teaches us that we don't have we are not our sin anymore. Oh boy. Oh God. Boy, am I thankful for that. They're dealt with. They're gone as far as the East is from the West, in the eternal east from the eternal west. In Psalm 103 and verse 12. He separated us from them in John 17 and 17 because Christ himself in John 17 and verse 19 separated himself. And in doing so, part of that separation was him going to the cross to deal with what you and I could never be separated from, something that only he could do. Something that only he could do. He, that he could do. <clears throat> so there is no judgment for us. The resurrection life proves that. You see that in 1 Corinthians 15. You can start in in 13 and 14 and go all the way down to the last verse in that chapter, verse 58, and follow the beauty of that. And then the second thing that the resurrection proves is that God is going to come back in judgment and let all of those that mocked him and that were given every single opportunity every single opportunity to receive Christ as their Savior, he will come back and they will know him. But I tell you this, I am so grateful to God by his pure grace for me, his grace and truth, that I can know him in the fellowship, in the, in the power of his resurrection in Philippians 3.10, and, and, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. But that I don't have to know him Finally, like multitudes, the majority will know him. In Revelations 20, 11 to 15, they will know him and face him because all judgment in John 5 and verse 22 has been given to Christ the Son, who is the resurrection life. He's been, all that judgment has been given to him from the Father. And they will meet him, but they will know God finally when they face Christ. But by that time, it's way too late but they'll know him. And some have said, the greatest pain in hell, the worm that dies not, in Mark 9, 44, 46, and 48, the conscience will always replay. And and lust for all of hell is all need, no provision. That's hell. It's having all these lust patterns, but never fulfilled. It's in complete and utter darkness, the complete absence of light. Unfortunately, today, like some Christians, want to function in darkness rather than light. That's why many don't come. But the fact there at the great white throne is they will know him, and they reject the greatest manifestation of the love of God through Christ, and they take that with them into hell, and then ultimately, obviously, to the lake of fire. Thank God. That's what we have been resurrected from, from the, for the life of Christ. A godless eternity. A dark, godless eternity where that conscience is like a fire constantly. But thank God we have a cleansed conscience because we have resurrection life. And this is Hebrews 10, 1 and 2. We have that very thing. We have so much to be thankful for. So very, very much to be thankful for. And we will be thankful for all eternity. In Revelations 5, 9-12, to we'll worship the Lamb. You know, there won't be any other, there won't be any fairy tales there. Oh, no, sir. Oh, no, no, no. We're to teach our children when they're young. Christ, God, yes. Yes, I, just, I had the privilege to have that when I was very young, too, by the way. It started out that way. It didn't quite end that way, but it ended this way now. <laughs> it ended this way, but I can see, Can't, haven't we all in some measure, two things we see, how deeply, how deeply we are loved by God and how deeply we should love one another and then how we see the enemy, how he's mocked us in our life, but then how he's mocked our loved ones, our family, our relatives, our friends, how he mocks them. He mocks them with his wicked thoughts, his evil thoughts. We have so much to be thankful for here, this resurrection life of Christ. And I love celebrating it in a proper way. But you know what? We have it. Every moment, every moment we can gather that way in the sacredness, in the sacredness, of that empty tomb and it's empty it that tomb is empty because if it wasn't you and i would be there in a dead way and thank god christ is our life so father we thank you for the truth of your word we thank you so much for this for the beauty and reality of your word and what it means to truly have resurrection life and to truly have it in the way that your word reveals it to us in the depths of all your love, in the depths of the intimacy of your love, Father. We just thank you and praise you that we can have it. In Jesus' name, amen.